Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? How are you? Hi. Hello. This is Mark Marin. This is my show. This is WTF. Thank you for listening. Um, you'll be hearing this the day after a very sad day. Uh, this is Sunday that I'm recording this. And this morning I was told, I was informed that Lou Reed, uh, died and it was, uh, it was sad. It was horrible. I know he wasn't well. It's very odd because like three days ago I saw a picture of him and he didn't look the right color. And I knew his liver was bad and that he was struggling. And I remember uh, listening to, I just listened to Loaded all the way through, Velvet Underground Loaded, like three days ago. And I remember wondering how long he was going to be around. And it's, it's, it always blows my mind when that happens, where you're thinking about somebody in a certain context and something horrible happens. Well, he passed away and I spent today listening to Lou Reed. Uh, listening to little bits and pieces from his entire career. You know, I have the records. And just remembering just how important that guy was to me. I mean, some of you know the story about me going to Kenmore Square and waiting online at Strawberry Records to get my album, my Transformer album signed by Lou and and asking him that question, you know, just wondering what I was going to say that would resonate and asking him what gauge pick to use and he said, medium, man, you got to use a medium. And I do. I did. I loved Lou Reed. I loved him because he gave me a, a portal into a world that I, I just found so exotic, sexy, wrong-ish, but also inspirational and uh, also uh, an incentive. You know, there was a time where you, the first time I listened to Lou Reed in the Velvet Underground, I listened to Live in 69. For some reason, that was the first one that I listened to. It's a double album. It remains one of my favorite albums. And I picked up Transformer after that and then Loaded and then the other Velvet Underground records. And then I got into his solo stuff. Well, Transformer is solo, obviously. And I stayed with him, man. I stayed with him all the way through. All the way through. I listened to most of the Lou Reed albums. Maybe the last couple I didn't. But I remember listening to the fuck out of uh, New York. I listened to the hell out of uh, New Sensations even. Today, I, I listened to uh, Street Hassle, Transformer, I listened to uh, the first Velvet Underground album. He was just a poet, man. He was a real deal. He was a difficult man. He was a difficult artist to wrap your brain around. But he created a, a beautiful language like uh, like Baudelaire or Wembo. He took on what most people would dismiss as morally bankrupt or ugly and confusing. And he embraced them, celebrated them elevated them and uh, it really really just amplified the uh, the range of the human spirit man that guy was the real deal a real fucking artist and yeah i had talked to john uh john kale about him and it's just sad i mean it's not like he didn't leave an amazing abundance of work for everybody to enjoy some of it very difficult but it's still sad, you know, when these guys go, these heroes, well, my personal hero, 
and uh you know i i hope he uh i hope he's at peace man I, I don't know what goes on and i know some of you assume that it's all over but you know he's always going to be here man lou reed is always going to be with us ah oh, fuck yeah, I don't know what else to say about about that other than, you know, there's loss, but, you know, I, I am glad to have known his work. I really am. And uh, R.I.P. Lou Reed. Seriously. Go listen to a Lou Reed record. If you don't know Lou Reed stuff, get into it. Get into it now. <laughs> oh, my God. The darkness and the beauty is one. And that's... Yeah, that's the best you can do. I fucking love you, Lou. I love you. I'm going to miss you. Johnny Knoxville is on the show today, by the way, and I want to say a few things about him, but saw Deaf Black Cat the other day. He uh, continues to be my, my, uh, in, uh, he's, he's my spirit animal, but he's not a spirit. He's a real deal. Here he is. I'm starting to question his motives a little bit. It's interesting. You know, he comes, he's coming around a little more. He looks good. Been hanging out on my deck. He came to uh, put some food out the other day, and he just he ate a few bites of the dry food, and he stood there. He just sat there next to the food looking at me. I was in the doorway. He's just looking at me, and I'm thinking, what does he want? You know, and I romanticize. I anthropomorphize. I project uh, my feelings, as you know, onto these animals. I thought, well, he, I may, he's trying to say something. What is it that this cat wants? Is he just looking at me, just checking in? Is he... Just being supportive? No, he looked like he wanted something. Then I realized that he probably wants wet food. And the weird thing about wet food is I never feed that cat wet food. I don't put wet food out for the uh, for the strays. I don't put I don't put wet food out for any of my cats. I have some stashed occasionally as a treat. But the interesting thing about Deaf Black Cat is the only time I gave that cat wet food was when I trapped him in that horrible trap. And it took a few days to do that, but I put the wet food out and that led him into the trap. Now, the interesting thing to me about that in looking at Deaf Black Cat as my spirit animal is that he wants that wet food. He remembers that wet food. He doesn't remember what was probably the most traumatic experience of his life, I'm thinking. Maybe outside of a couple of close calls with some coyotes that I can only speculate about, but he, you know, he, he ate that wet food walking right into that trap. And I have to imagine that that left some emotional or psychic scars on him. I mean, that's a big deal to be trapped in a box when you're a wild animal. And that's the only time I gave him the wet food. What's my point? Is uh, when something's really, really good, we forget the traps. And that is something we all share, isn't it? Animals. So Johnny Knoxville is here. Now, Knoxville is a, is a great guy. I'd never met him before. I went to see his new movie, uh, Bad Grandpa. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good bits in there. There's a lot of funny pranks and a lot of funny shit in that movie. That's what you're waiting for. You're waiting for that next, you know, thing. And you'll get a gut punch in there. Sometimes you go to movies like, if I can get about two or three killer laughs... You know, that's fucking something. That's worth the price of admission, I think. But Knoxville is interesting because I remember when Jackass first came out 
the first Jackass movie, and I, you know, I hadn't seen it. I saw the coming attractions. I didn't really watch the show on MTV. I was already too old for MTV or to pay attention to it. But I saw the coming attractions. I'm like, well, this is sort of broy. This is sort of jockey. This is sort of, you know, what are these guys just fucking off? And then, like, I, I just couldn't help myself. I went to see it, and I was like, holy shit. This is some punk rock business here. This is a weird brotherhood of fucking, you know, envelope pushing prank cowboys. This is some crazy shit. I mean, there's, I, there's no experience even that, that you can even compare to seeing the first Jackass movie the first time you see it. I would love to have that experience back. I would love to be able to look at that movie again with new eyes. It was fucking crazy. And it's it's interesting because throughout the conversation that I had with Knoxville, you know, I just couldn't get it out of my mind that, you know, there is something, you know, almost primal about you know, the type of laughs you get from those moments of 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 shocking people or 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 taking chances. I mean, they you look at his wiki page, he's called a daredevil. That's a that's a, a pretty impressive title to be a daredevil. But there's also something about pushing the envelope. I mean, the the amazing thing about the punk element of what these guys were doing is they were risking their their lives in some of these pranks. They were risking their, you know, their bones, their eyesight, their lives. They were pushing the envelope to get these weird, deep, genuine, irreplaceable laughs. And that's not nothing, man. I mean, that's not nothing. You know, some of that shit is going to hold up forever. I mean, unlike a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of comedy just gets dated or whatever, but that shit operates at a primal level. And I think <laughs> there's there's definitely a genius to it. And there's definitely something you can't trivialize in the risks that these guys took. It's a very interesting moment when I'm talking to him where we talk about the uh, the death of uh, his friend Ryan Dunn that that really really moved me so so strap in Johnny's a good cat and uh, we had a great talk and he he was injured when he showed up which I found to be appropriate uh, but I, I I had a great time with this dude this dude's a he's you know he's an original all right so let's uh, let's go talk to Johnny Knoxville. How you doing? Good, man. <laughs> You've been, what have you been doing all morning? Just radio? Yeah, I got up at 5.30 to do radio. Do the junket? Yeah. Get on the phone? Oh, yeah. You're on with Joe and the shit man. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone back to whoring. Yeah. yeah. You're on with Jack and Terry and Johnny and the little guy's name is Widget. <laughs> <laughs> they all have that radio voice, too. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it's just weird sometimes when you get like five minutes. Yeah, and they're like, so what do you, what do you, they got their little questions, and then there's the laughing, and then you, you don't even, it's almost like you're not, you're, you don't even know if you're part of the conversation. And there's that little delay, too. Yeah, yeah. Did that it, screws me up. Did it go well? As well as it goes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? What'd you do to your hand, man? I tore, I ruptured a tendon in my finger. I was filming a promo uh, at a frat house, yeah. dressed as Irving Zisman, uh, as 86 the grandpa year old man, yeah, yeah, three hours of makeup. Yeah. 
and sitting in the audience with the students watching the movie and some one of the one of the students dosed me with ecstasy come on i swear no but i mean like does that upset you no (laughs) it confused me for a second for the first 30 seconds my heart starts racing i'm like i don't remember taking anything (laughs) you don't remember and then i got that feeling i'm like i hadn't taken it since my 20s and i remembered and and i think if any other production if the quote-unquote talent had yeah. got dosed they yeah. would shut down but yeah. i we I, I texted my producer i'm like i think uh i'm pretty sure i just got dosed with ecstasy he says do you need a hug <laughs> so we we're like yeah, let's just keep shooting and one thing led to another we got great stuff the wheels fell off and i, I think it was going through a table or hanging yeah. up the basketball right. rim i don't know it was fun what did you see the guys at dosty were there two laughing kids just no i know who it was i you know did? who it was and uh I, I have no bad feelings towards them. Yeah. If it had been acid, I would have been pissed. Yeah, because that's a day. That Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, there's 12 yeah. hours and you can't do anything about it. You can't take value. You can't do there's anything. nothing. Nothing. You're stuck. It's got to ride it out. Yeah. <laughs> that's no fun, man. Not, not, not if you don't do it on purpose. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I had other plans. It's Yeah. It's, <laughs> now it's, I've got to wrestle with me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do a lot of acid? No, I only did it two or three times. Yeah, that's enough. I did, uh, the first time was window pane, which is weird. So, you say, so they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> window pane. Yeah, they put it in your eye. Oh, really? Liquid acid, they put it in Where your eye. Where the hell did you get that? Where, when did you do that? I was 18 or 19. I just moved here from Tennessee. Welcome to LA. And someone had liquid acid, yeah. and they're like, it works best in your eye. I'm like, here you go. Boom. Yeah, and it worked pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Did you, <laughs> did you travel? No, I was at the beach, and oh, so we just kind of did that thing. Yeah, laughed a lot, walked around in circles. It was fun that time. Yeah, <laughs> did, did you have a dark one? Once I I took acid with this guy, uh, and he had two big. Uh, you know what band dogs are? Mm-mm. And they're a cross between like a mastiff and a rottweiler. Big. Yeah, and it was just me, him, and this other dude, and we're all just sitting in you know tripping on acid in this house with these two huge dogs and it was hot and i remember being thirsty and i don't know if i had the wherewithal to drink water yeah (laughs) you know it it wasn't even fun yeah it's too scary to drink water that's the last time i did it (laughs) the dogs would have been the the killer for me well they they were they're the size of a great dane but like a rottweiler right and they get they're thick right they like like bull mastiffs yeah yeah and when you're on acid they become even bigger and then they get smaller and then they get bigger it was too much and yeah sometimes they're evil sometimes they're just dogs (laughs) sometimes we cuddle yeah yeah other times you're like you're satan so uh i i saw the movie i want to know what uh you know what's going to happen with all that footage at the end because like it's one of the th- it's one of those things we'll talk about the 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 arc of the whole uh, event of of your life if we can but the uh, like because at the end you know when you watch the stuff you do and this this movie Bad Grandpa's got you know it's got a narrative but then it's got the 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 bits dropped mm-hmm. into the narrative and then like the party is like oh at the end when they're, they're going over credits and you see these these things that you didn't use yeah you're like why why didn't they just put those in there. Well, I mean, we say, I haven't counted, but say there's 50 bits yeah. in the movie. Yeah. We'll film over 100 just to get those 50. Yeah. And with this, a lot of stuff fell out because, as you said, there's a story in yeah. this. And we in Jackass is just vignettes. We never had to service a story. So because of that, we filmed a lot of stuff with Spike Jones playing Gloria, an old lady. Yeah. And 
it worked. I mean, we got such funny stuff, but it didn't work for the story. Right. And so, and same with Catherine Keener, played my wife. Yeah. Hilarious stuff with her, but it didn't work for the story. So we have all this footage. We've already got a lot on the DVD we're releasing, but we're going to do a whole other release, like a Bad Grandpa point five. Right. We always do a 2.5, right. 3.5 with all the jackasses. So this one's got probably more than any of them because of the the you know things fell out because of the story but also this one people want to know how he shot it and did it and we're going to have a lot on there about that because it's people you know how do you prank a funeral people might ask and well, let me let me you. try can i guess did yes. you already talk about it yes you've already talked about it somewhere yes yeah, somewhere yeah um you you presented yourself to the funeral parlor as a guy with no family and the funeral parlor said, uh, well, we can probably get some of the congregation in. We could probably bring some people in. You wired the place the day before, and you did it that way. Yeah, we did. We we found a funeral home <laughs> right. that said, yes, you can do it. And two, got, two really, really sweet guys, and they and it was a tribute to their dead father that who pulled pranks all the time. Right. And they said, of course you can use our place. Yeah. I mean, they had a death mobile from Animal House in their garage at the funeral home. <laughs> The, yeah, yeah. the whole like so the they knew D-Day. who you were and they were like yeah fuck yeah they we were got. totally down and what we did is we hired uh uh a choir caterers mm-hmm. drivers and when they got there we said this guy's got no family he's outlived all his friends can you sit in the audience yeah and luckily they said sure yeah even the preacher wasn't in on it yeah. I, I made up a face uh, a false history for my <laughs> deceased wife and yeah. handed it to him and he we did it twice, yeah. and both preachers preached the prettiest sermons <laughs> about, it, it was, it, oh man. Do you feel bad ever? That one I was, that one I was a little nervous about because they're getting ready to see something terrible in a funeral home. Yeah. And That's... I was worried that some of them would have heart attacks. Right. And eventually, and I thought... Even if they don't have a heart attack, they're yeah. never going to sign. Right. So we did it twice. We got yeah. great reactions. Yeah. Uh, and we had it scheduled a third time, and and we all said, "Let's not do it. We've let's not put anyone else through <laughs> that." So we do feel bad sometimes. But in that particular instance, when we said, "Hey, ta-da! It's just a movie." Yeah. They were so relieved to know what they just saw <laughs> wasn't real. They were like, "Yes, we'll sign! Thank goodness!" <laughs> now, when somebody doesn't sign the release after a prank. I mean, I imagine you've had to deal with like you know people are just like no fuck you oh yeah oh fuck you yeah a lot <laughs> the and sometimes you just wait them out yeah and uh, it's just we have people that are really good at that yeah that go in after I, I leave yeah and then they go in right and if they're really hot they'll bring me back to talk to them and if that doesn't help we'll let them wait a week or two and uh-huh. then we'll go back and then at the worst case scenario we'll wait a few months and go back and throw a little money at them and there's still some people that are like Mm-mm. there's still people that are like fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you in the in the beauty pageant i came off the the stage uh yeah. my gra- I, in the movie irving the grandfather takes his grandson and enter, enters him into a little girl's beauty pageant. Yeah. I dress him up as a girl. Yeah. And he does a naughty dance. And yeah. it's one of the funniest things we ever shot, including the Jackass films. And after we came off stage, when he did a really inappropriate dance in front of all the parents and kids, yeah. a father was just 
like oh, yeah. locked in. Yeah. And he wasn't saying anything, but he was locked in. So I knew I had someone on the hook. And so I approach him and ask him, what the hell is his problem? Yeah. And we go into the, he didn't want to talk in front of the kids, which is good. Yeah. So we go into the, the, the next room and it was such a funny exchange. He was like the perfect straight man. He yeah. would just set me up for yeah. joke, 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 joke. Yeah. And, but afterwards, hey, ta-da, it's a movie. Fuck you. <laughs> we, okay, we'll wait him out. We'll wait him out. Let's yeah. call him back in two weeks. Fuck you. It's been uh, eight months and we're still at fuck you. Yeah. I think it gets worse every time. Right. It you just happens. It can't let it go. That's what public pranks are the hardest things we do on Jackass. Well, because those, you never know what you're going to get. And I think he, somehow or another, I was concerned that maybe you wouldn't, like you're, even as an old man, that people might get wind of it. But I guess there's still a lot of people out there that don't know. And it, this one required, I mean, you had to go into businesses and wire the place yeah. the night before. What we do is we'll contact the owner. Right. With the idea and say, we'd like to use your business. And yeah. The owner signs off. Yeah. The employees will sign off most every time. And we <laughs> just. They, they don't want to lose their job. Yeah. <laughs> and we just ask the owner, just you can't tell your employees yeah. because then it, it's ruined. Yeah. But you know when you're pranking someone. Yeah. If they and if, they're, if, they're, if, if you're getting a bullshit reaction, yeah. you can tell yeah. or I can tell. And uh, so that's what we do in those cases. Uh, we just get the owner to sign off. And if we're doing main in the street stuff, I size people up. If yeah. someone's standing there with a skateboard and a DC shirt, yeah. I let them walk on by. Yeah. You can't always tell, yeah. but you know, you do the best you can. Why? Because you know people who are going to take advantage of the, the situation? Well, no. If, it's a, if, it's, if it looks like a jackass fan, I'm not going to prank them because right. I'm just wasting my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if they discover me, they're going to tell everyone in the area and then we have to move locations. Right. Now, what it, the the interesting thing about a couple of the things without spoiling the movie is oh fuck it, uh, we've done so many trailers that you know yeah yeah so let's spoil the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, you know the uh, what, what I guess what I want to ask you is that after you do all these pranks on people, you know what is it about the human condition? You know, in terms of how people will respond to things that, you know, that you, you've learned or that surprised you the most. Because there's that moment, you know, when you tell a couple of guys who come to move a bed to help you move a body and they, you know, they, with a little resistance, they're like, I don't know. And then they help you. Yeah. There, there's something about when you have two women that are willing to ship a human. Oh, man. You, you know, because what, 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 what do you know about people now that you didn't know before? Well, it's funny because when I tried to get someone to help me dispose of what they thought was a dead body. Yeah. We tried it once before in Cleveland. Yeah. And the idea then was to uh, have someone uh, come over and dig a big hole in the backyard for a tree I was going to plant. And after yeah. they plant it, I bring them in the house. Yeah. My wife's body's on the bed. I yeah. explained to them, uh, I had a misunderstanding at the funeral, and can you help me put her in the grave? Yeah. Well, when I tried it the first time, it was all like, I was all silent and shady and my grandson wasn't in the room. Right. I said, can you, can, I, look, I'm in a bad way. Can you help me? Yeah. And as soon as I approached him with that energy, everyone yeah. just backed off. No one. Did they run? Help. No one ran, but some left quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but so we, we didn't get it that day and we talked about it and we're like, I, we got to change my energy. Yeah. So the next time we tried it in Charlotte, North Carolina, which helps. Yeah. Cause Southern people want to get involved. Uh, <laughs> My energy was, hey, this is what's happening. And, you know, I had, you know, very positive and upbeat and just, and I had my grandson in the room. Yeah, right. He was coloring. Yeah, yeah. So it just, your energy, how your energy affects people. Yeah. If, if you act shady, then 
poof, you're shady. But if you're positive and yeah. you know upbeat, you can have someone help you get rid of a body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that the the black dude in that in that scene, you could oh. tell like he had, he just didn't want it. He's like, why? Why am I in this situation? I knew I, he was a possible runner. I could tell by the look in his eyes. Yeah. He wanted to leave. Yeah. So that's why when I was pranking, you like you heard me going, James, hey, James, come on, help me, James. <laughs> I stayed locked in on him to yeah. keep the bond going because <laughs> yeah. James is about to get the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that poor guy was so sure that he was in some sort of horrible, life-changing moment. That, oh. you know, shit was going to, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah, he was still sort of like he kind of looked at you like, well, he's got a problem, you, you know. He's I mean, sweet, he's yeah, a sweet right, guy, right? And his eyes, t- I mean, his yeah, eyes make the whole bit. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. they're just jumping up and down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he, and he, when he start bringing up the crime. <laughs> oh yeah, thanks for the crime, and oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. When I was praying, <laughs> let's pray, and he sort of steps away. Oh, <sighs> we almost lost that footage because they signed that day. Yeah. But they came back the next day. Their boss heard about what yeah. happened, and they said, "And their boss was got pissed because they were in a company truck. They had company stuff on their shirts, and so they said we don't want to be a part of it. So we gave them their paperwork, back right? Because we're not going to keep someone's paperwork if they don't right. want to be a part. It's not like, hey, we got your signature. Yeah, fuck, fuck you. you. Yeah, it, we can't do that. Yeah, we don't want to do that. But." uh but eventually, like we we convinced the company, we'll remove all the company's names and the, off their shirts, and we did, and they're fine with it. So when you say people in the South want to get involved, I mean you grew up there, so you understand it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, people are <laughs> see sometimes uh, certain cities are when they see something in uncomfortable, the, yeah. the bigger cities especially. Yeah. They just keep walking. They don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And yeah, you got this great prank plan, but no one wants to play. Yeah. But in the South, people are really chatty. They want they want to make eye contact with everyone they see and talk, and they want to get involved. They see something fucked up. They want to get in and change the situation yeah. or help the situation. Yeah. And that is wonderful for pranks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you grew up, I mean, where where did you grow up exactly? Uh, South Knoxville. Yeah. Tennessee. And what what, uh, what I see I I'm fascinated with the South because I you know a, as I got older I always judged it you mm. know because I you know I always like kind of stereotyped it well that's but, the way we do with the North yeah you know back home it's still Yankees yeah everyone in the North are Yankees right. so we both are guilty right but then when you go down there like this is the best place in the world yeah everybody's like sweet here and then whatever happens behind closed doors i don't know but yeah. uh, but i've i've had nothing but good experiences down there that's how i feel about new york city really <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't no. want to live there <laughs> no i love it i yeah. love it's my favorite city uh yeah that just happens both ways and now you can what's your real name uh pj clap and what can, you come from a big family down there uh two older sisters uh mom and dad are still alive still married really yeah my sisters were eight and ten years older and my father told me i was an m M&M m baby what, what does that mean you came between menstruation and menopause <laughs> best part of you ran down your mama's crack boy uh, oh yeah yeah and then but the worst part of that is my mom would go oh honey it did not <laughs> which makes me think it did, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was born with a club foot, so and I have terrible asthma. So I think a little squirted out the side. <laughs> you have you have asthma and a club. What is a club foot? Uh, I I don't know. It's uh, I guess it was a skew. Oh, like, oh, oh, the wrong direction. Right, right, right. And I had to wear a brace the first six months of my life. So what'd your dad do? 
He owned a tire company. Like a, uh, he sold tires. Yeah, uh, but mostly he was a professional liar. Yeah. He, I mean, he was a huge, huge personality, constantly pranking his employees, fucking with his employees growing up. Uh, oh, really? Was it with the kind of place where like there were just stacks of old tires out front? And, uh, yeah. And oh, just yeah. Pieces of cars everywhere. Well, the the he had. He had one business that was a new, uh, like a newer business yeah. for new tires, and then he had the used tires across the street. Right. And, but it was all, all his employees were just a big, uh, it was like a big farm to fuck with people. Right. I mean, he give them X lax milkshakes <laughs> and stage gunfights at Christmas parties. <laughs> that you, they didn't know about? No, the people, well, this is what he did one year. He had two of his employees get in a fight at a Christmas party yeah. and then pull out blank guns and start shooting at each other. Right. And so everyone, it was in a rough neighborhood. It was in the McAnally Flats, too. Yeah. So it was a rough neighborhood. Everyone got the fuck out of Dodge. And that's not unusual, I guess, in certain areas in the South. Not right? in McAnally Flats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but the next year, yeah. he had two new employees. Yeah. And he said, hey, you know, last year we pranked everyone and we got in a, you know, someone got in a gunfight and they started shooting yeah. at each other. Let's do it again this year. Yeah. And so the two new guys were like, all right. So they got in a fight and they pulled out their blank guns and started shooting at each other. But dad had everyone else in the party. They had blank gun, blank guns, and they pulled theirs out, and started shooting at those two guys, and those two guys <laughs> fucked off out the door. <laughs> so you grew up with that, yeah, yeah. And wait, like, like in the in the tire store, did you used to hang out there when you were a kid. Yeah, I would go over sometimes and hang out with Big George. Uh, ass characters, kicking, right? Straight out of a like Cormac McCarthy yeah. novel. Actually, that Sutri is based in Knoxville, and some of the guys my father grew up with are in Sutri. Which is a Cormac McCarthy novel? Yeah. And really? Yeah. They were and, based on those guys? Uh, no, not from the tire store, but right. some of dad's friends. Right, right. So dad, like I didn't know everyone didn't have that uh, experience growing up because I was surrounded by all these characters. Yeah. I mean, Ass Kicking Robert, Big George, Big Sam, Super Dick. Well, uh, now, well, like, his tire groover was named Woodrow Wilson Boxcar Johnson Jr. And yeah. his father wasn't even a senior. <laughs> He just, he just kept adding things to his name? Yeah, and he was always getting arrested for silly things. Like what? He he uh, he broke in some store, uh, I don't know, breaking in convenience marts right, and yeah. whatever. He was just, uh, he would just, and, and they picked him up one time, and this is not a joke, this is serious. They, oh, not serious, it's yeah, funny, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. But they said... Uh, Mr. Wilson, we know you robbed that convenience store. We have your fingerprints. He goes, you ain't got my prints. I was wearing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> so he was a real lovable, you know, terrible, Dummy. terrible thief. <laughs> yeah. But so like, because that's the kind of business where guys are like on parole or they can't get other work or maybe they're just sort of like, you know, they can stay under the radar. Oh, yeah. And dad loved to any, like dad loved to buy hot items. Yeah. So sometimes he would come. <laughs> But he would useless hot items. Right. He would come home with forty five uh, uh, calculators, the big, huge ones, the yeah. old timey ones. Yeah. I'm like, what, what are we going to do with those? Oh, I got a good deal on them. <laughs> I'm sure Boxcar stole them, and Dad was just helping them out. <laughs> Give him a few bucks. Yeah, yeah. Dad would always help his guys out. Yeah, he fucked of... with them constantly, but yeah. you know, he bought Big George cars Who's and whatnot. Big, what was Big George's story? Big George was about five nine, three hundred and forty pounds. So strong, yeah. So strong, big old guy, and he couldn't read or write, right? And he was narcoleptic. <laughs> and Big George would drive me and my buddies around when we were little to, you know, take us to the movies or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And he'd always be smoking a big cigar, and yeah. 
and we'd get to red lights, and then he would conk out. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I swear to God, he would conk out at red lights, and so people would be really laying on the horn. He'd sleep through a couple. <laughs> what do you guys do? Just sit there and go, George! Yeah, we'd try to wake him up, yeah. but then we kind of thought it was funny, too, because yeah. everyone's getting angry, and yeah. then... But the scary part is whenever he'd wake up, he'd just wake up and drive, yeah. and so sometimes it would still be a red light, and... <laughs> Big George was awesome. He uh he went one one day my dad he told him uh there was a picture of a, a monkey on the front page of the Knoxville New Sentinel. Yeah. Dad said, Hey Big George, look here. Uh a monkey, uh a, a gorilla escaped from the zoo. Ain't that funny? And Big George would never let you know he couldn't read. Yeah. So he looked at it and all day long he laughed about that monkey escaping from or that gorilla escaping from the zoo. And dad kept it in his head all day. Yeah. At the end of the day, dad says, hey, G- uh, George, can you go in the back and pull off a couple of two 20R15s off the top of that stack? Yeah. And Big George, yeah, yeah. And and when Big George got back there, yeah. dad had boxcar, yeah. little, little bitty boxcar <laughs> dressed in a gorilla suit down the tire. So when Big George... <laughs> Got there, uh, boxcar sprung up, and went boogity boogity boogity. And before Dad could get to to him, Big George had about beat boxcar half to death. He was just wailing on the gorilla. <laughs> so that happened all the time. Oh, and I, my I my all the prank stuff. I'm just trying, you know, I'm just emulating my father. Does he like it? He loves it. Yeah. He doesn't like when I do stunts. Yeah. No one in my family does, but the pranks he loves. Yeah. Yeah. They're scared about the stunts. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, they're, you know, part of your, on your resume, when you look you up, it, it says daredevil. I know. That, which is great. I, I mean, how many, but, but seriously, I mean, I was thinking about that because I, I was looking at Wiki or whatever, and I'm like, who gets called a daredevil? There's only like three daredevils. <laughs> Do you know he's like Evil Knievel, and I can't even name another one. Yeah. And you, you're a daredevil. Yeah, that's that's pretty silly, but I guess I, I, guess I deserve it. Yeah, but know. it's a unique title. I mean, do you know any daredevils? I Actually, I know a you, you know, quite of doing what I do, you meet a lot of uh, interest. Like Matt Matt Hoffman, you know who Matt Hoffman was. Uh-uh. He's a, I mean, is he, he's a BMX rider. We actually did a Matt Hoffman tribute to Evil Knievel. Mm-hmm. He's like our generation's Evil Knievel. He's okay. a BMX rider in Oklahoma. And before people started doing the mega ramps and everything, right? He was, uh, you know, attaching, uh, uh, uh lawnmower motors to his bike so he yeah. could get up enough air and he he died a couple of times because he i mean he got like i don't know f- 50 foot in the air and came down and slammed straight on the uh so he's broken up he's had over 23 surgeries and over 75 concussions uh he but he's the sweet if you talk to him you'd never know that he does anything gnarly he's the sweetest uh most gentle guy but he, uh, he's, we, you got to check out the documentary we did okay. on him. Uh, uh, it's, uh, Who did called it? The you Birth and Spike? Of, yeah, Dick, Dick House, mm-hmm. uh, me, Jeff, and Spike. And uh, it's called The Birth of Big Air. And uh, it, it, I don't know. It, it, I think you'll like it. The interesting thing about being a daredevil of any kind, even with you, is that there, you know, the, it, it's not just the, 
the the courage or the insanity of doing the stunt. But there, a lot of guys are like they got to put shit together. Like you said, he's taking uh, you know uh, lawnmower motors, yeah. and you've got to rig shit up. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of like there's mechanical elements to it. I mean, to really choreograph a prank or to get what you want to get done, you got to sit there like rocket scientists and go, well, well, how how do I do this and not hurt myself, or what's going to get the biggest effect? So there's just all this invention involved in it. Well, we never think how can we do it and not hurt ourselves. We know that we're getting ready to if. Honestly, if you're doing a stunt and you don't and if you don't get broke, you're yeah. going to do it again. <laughs> you know, yeah. but we did hire actually we did hire some part time rocket scientists for for Jackass Number Two, where I got on a rocket and and rode it out over a lake. And the first time, well, they were up front with us. They were like, we you know we we, we kind of know what's going to happen, but it's yeah. a rocket; it's very volatile, so we it, anything could happen. And sure enough, on the first time, I ride it. It they it, it it you know whatever. Ignited. I remember that prank that when he shot into the water. Yeah, and yeah. the foot long, five or six foot long metal rods go out every side. Right. And oh, you almost lost your like you almost got killed on that one. Oh yeah, that would have taken my head right off. Oh, yeah. And one went three hundred yards back and flew right between two of our art guys' heads. It yeah. would have taken their heads off. Yeah. But you know, we we shot again as soon as we got another rocket. What do you have? You ever you know sort of uh, sought to identify? You know what? I mean, it's one thing doing pranks. I mean, you grew up with that, right? But to take it to the edge every time, and to know you're going to do it, and mm. to know you're doing something, you know, life threatening for a joke. I mean, it's. Mm. A, I don't. I wouldn't say it's it's pathological, but I mean, is it is it the rush? I mean, do you get addicted to the the charge of it? I mean, I can't. I have to assume it's pretty fucking thrilling. Well, I think honestly, I just want footage, and I and the producer side overrides the performer side, and. And it is, I guess there is a part of it that I like, but I just, I know what we need and we need a great, we need a great stunt right now. Right. Okay, but, but I got a picture to uh, shoot. I get it. <laughs> no, I get it. You're there with the megaphone. Go, let's do it again. <laughs> Reset. But it, but no, but I mean, do you, the, like, I don't, I have to assume that you didn't originally get into show business to do jackass. I no. mean, I mean, how, what was the, you know, when did you... That's a good shirt, by the way. That's from the cover of Back in the Bar Rooms again, right? That's yeah, from, uh, way to go. Yeah, that's a good album. Yeah, I love Did you grow it. up with that music? Yes. Merle Haggard? All the Outlaw George Country Jones. guys. Yeah, David Allen Coe, Willie Whalen, Johnny Cash. Yeah, were you, was your family into it? I mean, was that Oh, the... my father loved Whalen. Yeah, yeah. I listened to the old eight tracks in his El Camino all the time. Yeah, Whalen was good. Whalen. I love George Jones, though. Yeah, the possum. It, yeah, the possum. The, the, those stories. He rode his tractor into town. Yeah. yeah. That's great. What a character. Oh, he's great. He's a little wet brainy now, I think. Yeah, but he's he's a little, he's he's older, but man, what a voice. The best. And, and, but respected. The I, best. You know, uh, Keith Richards talks about George yeah. Jones in his book. I mean, just even Frank Sinatra said that George Jones was the second greatest singer in the world. And yeah. it's like, okay, who's the first? Yeah. You know, he yeah, yeah, remarked yeah. that sure, in the... Sure, sure, yeah. But uh, in, in, insane voice. So, all right. So, but uh, but still, so you come out here from Tennessee with uh, with some sort of dream. <laughs> what, right. Why, why'd you leave? Why'd you, why'd you decide on this? I initially came out from Tennessee uh, to enroll in the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. I wanted to be an actor. Yeah. And I did for the six weeks program. That was my excuse to get out of Knoxville because... I don't know. I think in the back of my mind, I believed if I stayed in Knoxville, yeah. I was going to get in trouble. Yeah, because you know, I just go out and drink and fight. On were the there weekends guys around and, you that you know were going down? Yeah, like your friends. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them either 
went to jail or yeah. became cops. Right. It's that. It's you, that crazy. Are you still tight with any of them? Yeah, my my buddies, uh, Alan Fry and Richie Nickel, they own yeah. the Vol Market back home. And yeah. Back home, I guess a lot of people don't have uh, checking accounts, yeah. and they all go to the Vol Market yeah. to cash. cash their checks. Right. And it's it's like Casablanca. <laughs> Because, I mean, it's just, it's the senators, football coaches, prostitutes, destitutes. Everyone in town goes to the Vol Market to get their checks cashed. To Rick's Vol Market. And they've never been uh, robbed because everyone in the place has a, a gun on yeah, them. Yeah. And shotguns hanging from the ceiling mm-hmm. everywhere. It's, it's intense. What, loaded shotguns ready? Yeah, to, no, they're, they're, hang, they're not for decoration. But they're uh, they're They're, they're rigged. good to go, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alan said, I got we got a grenade the other day. <laughs> I said, where do you keep that? Over by the dip dogs. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's it's a one I love going back there. I always when I go home I always go to the Vol Market. My yeah. dad always wants to go out the Vol Market with yeah. me. Uh, do, do you have a place out there or you just stay at your folks? Or I what? stay at my mom and dad's downstairs. That's cool. Yeah. It's cold <laughs> as shit downstairs too. I have to put aluminum foil up over the vents. They like it around sixty degrees. <laughs> It's yeah. like you're on, uh, like doing Letterman or something, right? Right. All over the house. Oh God! So, all right. So you want to get? You want to be an actor? Right. I want to be an actor. I move out, and I went there two weeks, dropped out, and then yeah. I pretty much just did. I studied a little bit, but I really wasn't pursuing it because I was just out partying. I was living like I'd already made it. Right. You know. Yeah. And and not until doing acid in your eye. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my then girlfriend. Became pregnant. Yeah. And I had a little girl on the way. Yeah. And that's what really focused me. I'm like, I, daddy has to think of something fast. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I started writing for magazines. Mm-hmm. And one of the ideas was I would test self-defense equipment on myself. Uh, pepper spray, stun gun, taser. And then I was going to shoot myself. Well, I was going to have my friend shoot me in There's footage w- with this. the 38 yeah. while I was wearing a bulletproof vest. And I did, and I took it. The only magazine that would support it, a lot of people wanted it. Yeah. But the only people that give me money for it is uh, Big Brother Magazine, which Jeff Tremaine was the editor of, who right. directs Bad Grandpa yeah. and all the Jackass films. So he was the editor of the magazine. Was uh, what, what kind of, it was a skate magazine? Skateboard magazine. And that's a whole world in itself. Yeah, we, you know, I was just going to write the article, and, and the couple of days before, Jeff said, you should film it. Yeah. And we'll put it in the skateboard. This is video. the shooting you or the pepper spray? All of it. Oh, you did them all at once. I did the first three in about an hour, and then we had to drive out to the, you know, out on the freeway uh, off the fourteen and pulled off on a fire road to shoot yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to do that in town. No, no, I didn't want to do that in Bay. We were at, we were like uh, like it. The first three were at around Sunset and Crescent Heights. You know. Yeah. So, all right. So you shoot yourself. That's I. I, I would have to see say that that's probably the birth of whatever it is that you started to become. That it you know was. when you're like, I'm going to shoot myself. I mean that that moment where you're like, all right, the vest's going to work, right? Well, I did. I called the company. I called the company and let them because I took the money, my Christmas money, my mom sent me and bought the cheapest vest they had, and. <laughs> I'd already said I was going to do it, yeah. and I called him. I'm like, "Hey, I'm you know, is this vest really good? Uh, yes, it's the best money can buy." Da, 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 da. And I said, "Well, thank goodness, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to test it. I'm going to have my buddy shoot me." Yeah. And they say, "Can we call you back?" 
And they call me back and they say, we can't recommend you do that. And I'm like, well, shit, I already said I was going to. <laughs> and that was the end of the conversation. And, but when we get out to the Angeles National Forest, my uh, the the guy that was shooting it, Jeff Bender, shooting pictures of it, he, I I don't, I think he, I don't know if he shot pictures, but he, he had seen his friend die by jumping off a motel uh, into a swimming pool and he missed. And so that brought back all of that when he was out there. So he was freaking out like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then my friend who's supposed to shoot me says, I can't go through with it. And so then I have to shoot myself. And that's that real was close range. Red, uh, point yeah. blank. And... And then a car pulls up behind me as I'm, I'm getting ready to do it. And a yeah. car pulls up behind me. Uh, and some people, like, they're, they're asked me, I, I got the gun behind my back. Hey, yeah. how are you? Yeah, yeah. And they were, looked to be really loaded on meth. They're yeah. like, where's the recycling center? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, you just go down the road, you make a right, and uh, you'll, you'll be right to it. Yeah. And it was just, a, it was just so half assed the, yeah. the whole there was no production it was just four dipshits on a fire road with a video camera yeah and so okay so you shoot yourself yeah like were you like all right okay we're gonna it's gonna happen it was really intense because bender was tell, screaming for me not to do, everyone was saying don't do it and so they're literally treating like a guy's about to kill himself yeah and yes yeah. and my friend loomis was he'd never shot camera before he's a drummer and he kept the he kept missing the shot. Watching it back, there's a 25 minute piece of footage on that whole event yeah. that is really interesting because it almost wasn't even captured on film. Because at the last second, Loomis goes back up and and I, I loaded one bullet in the chamber, yeah. so it's like click, click, right, click. Yeah, it's like really dramatic. And yeah. finally, on the sixth one, I'm like, oh, here All we right. go, <laughs> click, boom, yeah. And it felt like someone took a shovel. And hit you in the chest with it while you weren't looking. It well, did really you aim you it back. at your chest? I well, I aimed it right below my where I thought my heart was, which I'm, you know, I'm no doctor. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and at that moment, though, that, I think that was like that. That was your inside. That must have been the big break. You're like, <sighs> it was. Okay, it felt like it. something because when we did the Big Brother video mm -hmm. number two. Mm -hmm. And they put that at the end of the video. Yeah. And and all the guys working at Big Brother, most of the guys from Jackass were either being covered by Big Brother for skating or working there. It's the first group I'd been around that I thought, this is a really special group. We have a lot of characters, a lot of nuts. And it kind of reminded me of my father's tire shop. Right. You know? Yeah. And it felt special. And then the number two came out and it, people were really psyched on it yeah and it felt yeah you're right it felt like the beginning of something and it was and also like i think that you know it kind of like culturally something happened because there's something about all right so you, you, when i first when jackass first came out and i just saw trailers i'm like oh these guys are just like you know this is some bro shit and mm. but then you, you when you went to see it you know there it's a masterpiece because there's nothing oh, thank you as consistently fucking funny the first time you see the first jackass you're like oh my god now i gotta wait 10 years so that'll work again you know like <laughs> you want that laugh you know what i mean you, you thank can't, you yeah but but it's it's inexplicable in the sense that it, it was so uh, it was fucking you know insanely real 
Like, you know, yeah. like that, the emotions of it, you know, the, the actions of the prank, it was very, and it was, it was raw as fuck. So it sort of fits into the kind of punk rock spectrum of things. And it just, it interests me in being an overly thinky guy that you sort of luck into or, or find yourself in this crew of cats that are willing to fucking do anything. Anybody who skates a pool has got to be out of his fucking mind. <laughs> you, you know, like they, they clearly are like, they're in it for the fucking rush. They're wired right for Right. It. Yeah. Right. So like, so all those guys and, and, and Spike Jones was part of that original crew yeah we 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 were trying to develop a show jeff and i a tv show and it was we were trying to develop a show across between what we do and the daily show right Uh, we were talking about me sitting behind a desk (laughs) and 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 then jeff said you know what let's call spike because he he grew up with spike in maryland yeah and they were friends yeah and let's call spike and talk. what was he doing at that time spike was spike jones then he was you know uh like he making videos yeah. and he was the skate stuff no no he was directing music videos he was oh, okay he'd already done sabotage he right. was a huge video okay. director yeah and working on his first film yeah and we called him and he was he's like yeah i love it and we told him he wanted to, he wanted to be a part of it and we told him what we were thinking with the show and spike because he's brilliant yeah uh said well why don't you just make it look like the big brother videos yeah and raw Rough, no, but if you if you see a Big Brother video yeah. and you watch Jackass, they're built, they're constructed exactly the same. What, what There's is little it? intros and right. things come up on the screen, mm-hmm. and we were already doing the show, and we couldn't even figure. You know, that's right. how bright we are. We, we were we had the show, we were doing it, but we didn't know. You didn't have, we didn't have a system, so it took an outside eye to say, like, we'll see what you guys are doing. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't don't try to do what everyone else is doing. Just do what you're doing. And that was I don't know, he gave he, he gives a lot of great advice. Yeah, yeah. And and then that's when you guys became friends? Yeah, that's when I'd known I'd known him a little, but that's when we started working together and became friends then. And how'd you meet Steve O? I met Steve O through uh Tremaine and all the guys at Big Brother. Yeah. Because uh, I was doing what I did in Big Brother, and Steve O was this guy in Florida that Dimitri had met at a party. Who's Dimitri Eliaskovich is our director of photography, mm-hmm. and he worked at Big Brother. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got titles now, yeah, you know. Right. Uh, but they, Dimitri was at some party, and Steve O, he he was a circus clown at the time in this beat ass circus inside a flea market in fort lauderdale it's the worst a florida shitty florida circus oh it was it's not it was gnarly and steve was at the party lighting himself on fire and he had some guy steve-o did a backflip and spit a fireball in the air and he had some drunk at the party so when i land i got uh hairspray all over my hair you blow a fireball into my hair yeah and so Steve-O did the backflip, blew a fireball, and he landed, and the guy blew a fireball into Steve-O's face, yeah. and the fire wouldn't go out. So <laughs> yeah, like, it was like, they're, finally they got the fire out, and the ambulance came, and, but while the ambulance came, Steve-O was still doing backflip fireballs for the crowd. <laughs> Just so you're like, that's the guy. But when we, then we, they went back to shoot with them for Big Brother. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even for Jackass then, it was for Big Brother. I, would, I didn't go on the trip. Apparently he was so... Like, dude, check me out! And he was just—he—he—he he, he was on so much that they went somewhere with them, and then Jeff got in the car and said, "Let's lose him." Yeah. And they tried to lose him because they were done with them, yeah. but they couldn't fucking shake him, man. <laughs> he just—he just followed them everywhere, and I'm glad yeah. he was really intense in those days. Yeah. Like, he just couldn't 
he couldn't calm down. He just wanted so much acceptance and like yeah. he's all constantly performing for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But uh, now he's he, he, we can have Steve-O and I can have conversations. Right. Well, he sobered up. He sobered up and I'm not like I used to be. Like, How's that? I, I was like in the old days, like Steve-O was always, always whacked on something and yeah. I was always running off to sleep with somebody. Right. And... And now, like, I don't do that anymore. I, you know, I got old guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's right. Got to settle down. Yeah, that's right. You made it through. I made it through. (laughs) Yeah, it's scary, man. It it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those guys. uh, Also, like, what do you think it was? Because, like, um, it seemed to. I, 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 I don't know how much you think about the impact of Jackass, but I mean, when you look at your fans and you sort of see the, the you know, the who they are and, and what it seemed to represent to them, what what do you make of it? I mean, what what do you think it was? What what led to well, the no, success what, what, of it? Or? Well, yeah, what you know, what kind of people? What what do you think you were serving? You know, in people, just a, was it like suburban kind of like boredom? Was it just you know like mostly teenagers who were like fuck? I think everyone does really stupid things growing up yeah you know really juvenile ignorant things and i think people like that type of humor like you fall down and go ow yeah people laugh right it's just oh uh, yeah you can't i mean you can't help but laugh when it's and and also i think what separates us from other there's other people who do stunts and pranks and i think the relationship between all the guys and you see that we love each other and but we will give each other hell but you know at the end of the day there's a good spirit about what's going on and i think that's what people respond to the most and the i think the pranks and stunts come second i think they like being with us the most i think that's true i I think that you know you have this gang of misfits and and because you know every prank that you do requires a kind of total immersion of of individual personalities that you very quickly kind of like get the guys yeah and yeah, we're not and macho the, about right, it. right right yeah, you can yeah. read the fear on our faces sometimes they cry yeah. you know it's not it's real honest it, exactly yeah it's very authentic it's almost like you know you guys are setting these things up to get to the core of who you are like in that moment <laughs> like, like before you're about to do something they're like that guy is that's pure him yeah. whatever's happening right yeah. there those tears are real yeah. <laughs> as they pan over to everyone else laughing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's uh, fucking crazy, man. And and you guys are all pretty close. Oh still? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Steve O's got some YouTube channel now, and he came by the office the other day. I filmed something with him. Yeah, Pontius is always around. Yeah, he's an odd one, huh? He's the he's the best. He is he. I mean, his dad's a surgeon. His sister's a yeah. doctor. Yeah, and he has that intellect. He's just he's just a nut. But in the best way possible, he means no harm to anyone. But you know, but he he just is in left field. Yeah. Uh, and no one makes me laugh harder than Pontius. Yeah. I mean, we'll be at a dinner, mm-hmm. and it'll be a table full of fifteen people, like people with their wives, and he'll start stories unprompted, and he'll and they'll be really naughty. Like if you or I tried to tell that story at the table, yeah. women would be pissed. They right. would slap us. Right. Like, mm-hmm. but with Pontius, he's so lovable. When he tells it, everyone is in the palm of his hand. Yeah, it, you know, it, just unprompted out of nowhere, he's just like, yeah, 
girl with the hairiest beaver I ever slept with was in Portland, Oregon. And he goes on a horrible long story about that. He'll tell the story. Everyone's crying. There'll be like a break, like two second break. Oh, yeah. And then he'll just go into another. And he is he's unbelievable. And he he's really right now. He's really into guitars, building them and and uh, repairing them and on the flight. Not too long ago, he tried to explain musical theory to me, yeah. and I'm just I I I don't know anything about music, but he was trying to because he loves it and he wanted me to know, and it was so sweet. But yeah. you know, I just went in one ear and out the other. But he has a full comprehension. He's extremely intelligent, but, yeah. but a nut. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there was an earnestness to all you guys, and you know, when you see it in the movies, that like, I think everybody also sort of likes the idea of people sort of deciding their own destiny. You know, even in a moment where you're yeah. about to get on a rocket, you know, metaphorically, that's sort of like that's fucking nuts but that guy's living it yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean so someone asked my father uh someone interviewed him i think it was rolling stone and yeah he said why do you think your son does why do you it was when the show first came out why do yeah. you think the show why do you think your son does what he does he's like well he's like that dominican baseball player he ain't gonna get off that island by bunting <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's hilarious sharp. Well, I, I worked with lance lance bangs directed my uh my yeah. stand-up special and like he couldn't be a sweeter dude and a so quieter sweet. dude yeah and it's like just to picture him around you guys and he's like, so sensitive and smart <laughs> yeah and and then he's in there with us and he loves it though <laughs> yeah 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 and and he'll have laughing convulsions because <laughs> yeah, yeah. because it gets so ridiculous shooting with us like it's it's basically you're giving the camera to a bunch of monkeys. Yeah. And he, he has all this knowledge and, you know, right. he's very intelligent. And then he sees we can, we can, sometimes we can't even do the most basic things. And he'll just, he'll start crying laughing. Uh, I remember we were doing the uh, thing in Jackass number two where Steve-O was drinking uh, beer out of a funnel through his butt. Yeah. And we were trying to get Steve-O just to, hey, turn around and face the camera, turn around and face the camera. And he couldn't take that direction. And you had to be there, but uh, but it's in the movie. Lance just breaks down and he just, he, in those moments, you can't even get to him. He's just crying, laughing, and everything's going out nothing's coming in. He's he's a gym. Yeah. He's a puker, too. Thank yeah, I God. know. I saw that. He's got a very nervous stomach in every fucking movie. It's it's so unlikely. If you met Lance Bangs and talked yeah, to him one yeah. on one, you're like, "How the fuck are you shooting with those guys? Yeah. You're so you're so smart, right?" The the uh, like I find that even when I was just telling some guys who hadn't seen uh, Bad Grandpa yet, the some of the stuff in it, you can get laughs just telling it. <laughs> Thank it, you. It's weird. Thank you. you. But because the thing in the diner is like you know the the the, the weird thing about that is that physical physiologically it doesn't quite add up. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been the uh, uh, tagline for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, there's no way that it could, you know, that, that it would happen, but it doesn't matter. No, no, no. People, in those instances where something unbelievable happens, which could never happen, yeah. people get emotional and then it, they it, become it, irrational and then we have them. Yeah, exactly. There's no, but it, it, like that was a gut punch. You know, like I'm sitting there watching it because when you watch a Jackass movie, you're kind of waiting for it. <laughs> you, you know, like, it's, gonna, it's, it's, the, it's a type of laughter that you can't, that goes all, cuts right through any sort of intellectual shield or, yeah. or comprehension. Right. It goes right into the primitive guts of who you are. Like you're laughing like a monkey. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, 
and well, that thing you. was crazy. And then in the at the end, you know, I see that you know they had to make a machine that you had to test. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, our, a lot of money goes into R and D. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to you had to make uh, some serious prosthetic balls. Oh, we it's so funny because we come up with these ridiculous ideas, yeah. and then our special effects guys. They have they'll they'll test them to make sure they work. Yeah. Just to see someone testing uh, a boner machine yeah. or a shit machine, like <laughs> yeah. guys that are really intelligent. Yeah, yeah. But it's so funny because they're having so much fun when they're sending these tests to us. It's, yeah, it's just ridiculous and funny. We should probably put that on a uh, bad grandpa point five. Yeah, why not? Those just the emails that go back and forth over our. We need a. a, a prosthetic penis that you know, i can insert into a coke machine and then you know fall back on and support my weight <laughs> a, i need a tuft of gray hair down there where the balls are too you know for and they're like okay yeah <laughs> we'll get to work on that the uh and also like what we were talking about oh the uh the thing that um that that ryan did and what was it it was a jackass one with the car that was amazing. That that thing is fucking unbelievable. That was one of the, the best t- things we ever shot. That was unbelievable. He Steve was supposed to do that. Yeah. And he told his father he was going to do it and his father got so upset and he wasn't Steve said he wasn't angry at me, but he was disappointed. And so Steve said, I, I I can't do it now. I can't do it. And Ryan was there and he's like, Well shit, that idea's too good not to do. I'll do it. <laughs> he really took one for the team. Put the card is that Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh so he backed good. that right in there. <laughs> now, you know, it was a, you know, a horrible thing that happened with him. Mm. And, uh, you know, I wonder, just because you guys are sort of like, it's like, you're like not just a band of brothers, but there's a sort of cowboy element to it. And y'all know you have a, a sort of, you know, renegade spirit and, you know, self-destructive personalities. Yeah. I mean, how, how did that sit with all you guys? I mean, when you heard it. That was... Uh... I, I can still barely talk about it, honestly. Uh, it's one of the worst things that's happened in my life and all of our lives. Yeah. Uh, I remember the morning getting the news and... Yeah, it's horrible. But when you... Uh... When you when you think about the way you guys lived, is there any party that thinks like, all right, well, you know, it happens? Um, It was... It was a fucking tragedy, you yeah. know, like Zach was in the car, Ryan was drinking and, uh, I, I, there's, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm yeah. still wrapping my head around it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for your loss, man. Oh, that's all right. That's yeah. all right. Uh, yeah. Sorry. It's, it's all right. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, mean, I, I just, you know, I, I, I wonder like in, in a sense that, you know, obviously it's a, it's a tragedy, but like yeah. sometimes even as a comic, you know, you you, you kind of you know you live a certain type of life. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, like you know, you, you get in, along in a business long enough, and you know a certain type of a, a guy. You know, and you're sort of like, well, yeah, I hope it works out. I hope everything works out. Yeah, yeah. He, he loved to drive fast. Yeah, he. Lo- I mean, he loved yeah. to drive really <laughs> yeah. fucking yeah. fast, and we yelled at him before over it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you had drinking to it, and that's just yeah, that's, that's just the crazy worst time. thing you can do. Yeah, yeah. And you dedicated this film to him. Yeah. We actually filmed something. We were in Cleveland, and he's buried out in Brecksville. Yeah. And Jeff said we should go out there and, in character, and Irving put flowers on his grave. Right. And we were going to put it at the uh, end of the credits. Uh Uh-huh. 
But when we all watched it in the office, we filmed it, went out there, mm-hmm. and, and we watched it in the office, and it was just too much for us. And we're like, we just made this comedy, and it, it's just going to nail everyone too hard. And yeah, so we yeah. didn't put it in there. We'll probably let everyone see it in the Bad Grandpa point five. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was a great idea, but it was just too much reality. Right. Did you guys all do anything in, you know, in, in sort of the, in this, like, you know, after he passed, uh, did you do anything uh, as sort of like, a, you know, just a, like an inside kind of tribute or? Well, we did. We had a service mm-hmm. over at Paramount. They gave us uh, a piece of the lot and we did a, uh, a service with all of our friends and mm-hmm. crew and everything. So everyone could go up and say something if they wanted to. And I went to the service in uh, Westchester as well. Mm-hmm. And I every time I mean I've been in Cleveland now and again, and I always go out and uh, take them some flowers. Oh, and, that's great. Uh, yeah, and people or when I go out, everyone really looks out after his grave, and you know they yeah. they put him cigarettes on there or little toy cars people on the make grave. pilgrimages. Yeah, on oh, there's toy cars. Yeah, they put little toy cars, which <laughs> it's you know it's a set like you're there and you're having a moment, and then you see the little toy car and you just crack up. Yeah, yeah, and which would have made Dunn really laugh. Well, it's interesting because, you know, if you really um, you, you think about people that like have made a contribution and, you know, there's no doubt that 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 bit, you know, him going into a, a doctor's office to get <laughs> x-rayed with a toy car in his ass and pretending like you didn't know what the problem was. Oh, God, that doctor was genius. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's one of the it's actually, you know, it sounds uh like um, I'm being condescending, but it's one of the greatest pranks ever done. I feel that way too. I'm on your side. It's so ridiculous. It's like it's like a tremendous contribution. It's unforgettable, and it will stand the test of time. Uh, I, unlike many things, I I feel the same way. What we do is stupid, but I think that was pretty pretty great. But you know what? It's like I don't know if it's stupid because the type of laughter that comes from it is so primitive that like unlike most other things you know if somebody as long as there's human beings if somebody watched jackass one a hundred years from now he's gonna get the same laughs (laughs) there's no way it's not it it, it, i i feel that it's like in uh history of the world part one Uh where uh with the cavemen something happens and the dinosaur comes in and the guy oh the comedian's doing his shtick and the dinosaur comes in and takes him away (laughs) everyone's dying and it's been that way since the beginning of time uh yeah and you tap into that it's a real primal thing let me uh just ask you about um some of the other projects Uh, you know i know uh like the the uh the wild and wonderful whites of west virginia yes which i i love that thing thank you and uh it's a great documentary uh now what what got you involved with them? I w- did you see the original dan- uh, Dancing Outlaw documentary? It was done like twenty years ago. Oh, about the old man? No, it was about no. That's Talking Feet. That was oh. D. Ray White. He okay. was in. He was a, a respected mountain dancer, right? And he was in the Talking Feet documentary. This one was on Jessico. I didn't uh, see it. Uh, Julian Nitzberg, who directed the Wild and Wonderful Whites of West yeah. Virginia for us, yeah, was in. Boone County, West Virginia, doing a documentary on Hazel Atkins. And him and Hazel had a falling out about halfway through, and Hazel told him he was going to kick and kill him. And so Julian said, all right, let's just take a break. And he was at a bar, and he met Mamie White, Jessica's sister. Yeah. And 
she said, you got to meet my brother. He was this mountain dancer like his father, but he yeah. had all these different personalities. And so Julian just went out and filmed a bunch of stuff with Jessica and his sister. I've seen all of it. It's so, uh, it's as real as it gets. Yeah. And so Julian took that to a couple of guys uh, and the couple of guys said, hey, let's do the documentary and you can work sound when, you know, Julian found it. But it's a it's a great you should see it's like a 30 minute documentary called the dancing outlaw and he in it he's just like telling stories about huffing gas and yeah. getting arrested and he's <laughs> yeah. he lives with he was like 29 at the time lived with this 50 60 year old woman yeah. and they used to sit on the edge of their uh, uh mobile home and just fight back and forth <laughs> well you rip all the pages out of my bible woman i'm going to i'm going to slash your damn throat if you don't i mean it's crazy and it was a huge underground hit like back home and I saw it on a eighth generation VHS and one of my friends years later said hey I know one of the guys that worked on the dancing outlaw yeah and it's Julian Nitzberg yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I went and meet him for met him for lunch yeah. and we were talking he says I got all this footage no one's ever saw yeah yeah and out of that lunch we decided we want to do something more on Jessica White and the family yeah and so what we planned we sent him to Boone County for three days Film as much as you want. Let's see what kind of foot. See what Jessica's up to now. Yeah. But when he came back with this, the footage was insane, and we realized that Jessica is like the sixth craziest person in his family now. He's been unseated by the younger generation, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and the new kids just keep, they grow up in that environment, and they just they're going for it. Yeah. And uh, and that's how that happened. And it's just Boone County is a you know it's an old mountain coal mining town and. You know, when you work in those coal mines, you don't know if you're coming out of it. And people live real hard because of that. And and there's all this distrust in the community because the coal mining, the coal mining companies completely screw the town over. And it's, it's uh, the, you know, I think Jessica's father felt screwed over by the man. Yeah. And so he had all his kids sign up for uh, basically crazy checks, disability checks. Well, if... We're, they're going to screw us. Let's screw them, and yeah. and you guys get crazy checks. And watching the footage, they they deserve it. They earned yeah, it. They, but they're really there's a side of them. They're so charismatic, and I've met Jessica and Mamie, and I, I really like them in person. And, and and they just they just they're just they live hard. Why? Well, yeah, they and I think that you know, that speaks to the, the the whole sort of uh, you know uh, you know tone of of who you are and what you do is that you know from pushing the envelope, you become authentic. That you know, you know that you know if you don't have a choice in your life but to fucking push it yeah. and to live hard or to do, take these in, insane risks, yeah. you know, you, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. There's, I mean, I romanticize it too. You know, I mean, my, I got you know a lot of my heroes are drug addicts and fuck ups because you're like, well, they're out, they're like astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? They're going to the moon of fucking darkness. Yeah, Towns Van Zant. Right, exactly. You know? it, a lot of them can't help themselves, obviously, but that makes it even more endearing because it sort of amplifies. You know the struggle that we all have. It's just that that is the maximum struggle. Yeah. Uh, you know, with your demons or with this desire to do stuff. But I also think with the with the uh, with the that that documentary, and I think because of where you come from, that you you know it's very easy to condescend and, and look down on you know uh, on that you know on mountain people and, and that culture and mm -hmm. stuff. But there's a real point of American and Southern pride around that stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, as funny as it all is, they're still your own in a way, right? Right. My I have family. Uh, my my mom's side is from West Virginia, yeah. not far from Boone County, and yeah. my dad's side from Tennessee. Yeah. But uh, it's just. My family, I just did a uh, uh, genealogy thing. And uh -huh. I mean, it's, 
they go back uh, to a long line of farmers and people who worked in factories and uh-huh. uh, that you know worked that worked off the land. Right, right. Uh, and you know, I blood kin to Daniel Boone. Really? Yeah. Huh. So I'm a genuine hillbilly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got three you, names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same amount of teeth too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, one funny thing happened with the genealogy report. Uh, the guy who's doing it's a really uh, respected genealogist, and he calls me. We're sitting there. He's like, "Oh, I, you know, I got some reports back, and I want to talk to you about them." And I said, "Oh, good. What, what, what have we learned?" He said, "Well, you know, your family is, you know, from the uh, rural mountain community, and in those communities, no one." ever leaves the community and no one ever comes into the community and just like you did i started laughing <laughs> you knew where he's going i knew where he was going and he and i, I was almost in tears laughing he goes so it's not uncommon for there to be inbreeding inside of those communities and i said D- is there inbreeding in my family he goes a significant amount <laughs> But he delivered it so straight and yeah. so sensitively and made it that much more hilarious to me. <laughs> Significant amount. All right, man. Well, it was great talking to you, buddy. Thank you. And uh, put in a good word with Spike for me, man. No, Spike is the one who turned me on to your show. He said, have you heard uh, Mark Maron's show? And I said, no. And he said, listen to it. It's amazing. And uh, he, he loves this sh- well, podcast. Well, can we get him in here or what? I, I don't know. Uh, I can tell him I did the show and had a good time. He, he, uh, he's really private. I know, but if he likes the show, he knows what you know we, what we do here, and yeah. um, I, you know, I, I respect his work a great deal. And I, you know what I'll do is I'll give you my email okay. and see what that does. Okay, I, I yeah, I mean, I think it'd be he'd be great on here, but uh, it's up to him, you know. Well, I know we're not going to go over there and kidnap him. No, we can. Okay. We did it to Brad Pitt. Fuck it, let's go kidnap Spike. Let's do it now. Yeah. All right, folks, that's our show. I, I hope you enjoyed that. Go to WTFPod.com. We're making more of the ceramic mugs. The guy can only throw these mugs as quickly as he can. You know, he's a potter. They're real things. He has to make them with his hands. But go to the, you know, go pick up the app, get the free app, upgrade to the premium for a few bucks. You can listen to all the episodes. Uh, we'll get the merch restocked. Hopefully we'll get everything stocked up for Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all of that. No, I haven't seen Gravity yet. All right, just relax. All right, I'm I'm going solo these days. It's hard for me to to eat by myself. It's hard for me to go to movies by myself. I'll get if I can find somebody that hasn't seen it, I'll go see it. The great thing about this movie seems to be that no one can really spoil it. It's a tonal thing. I'll get there. God damn it. Rest in peace, Lou Reed. Seriously, thank you, Johnny Knoxville. Take care of yourself. Vicious, you hit me with a flower. Oh man, mortality. Oh, I hope I'm leaving some stuff for people to enjoy. I think I am. Boomer lives. <laughs> <laughs>